Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew, and uh, I somehow remember this film in my mind as being about a bunch of people trapped in a bunker with one zombie, but that's not even remotely the case. <laughs> um, it had been a while since I watched it, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but uh, was, it was fun to watch it again. Was that zombie Bub? That was Yeah, I remember everything about Bub, and then somehow nothing about the rest of the movie. Interesting. Bizarre, well, right? uh, this is the first time, uh, this is Phil speaking, and this is the first time that I've seen this film, and I feel very misled, <laughs> because I thought it would be about Mexico, and... Uh, sure a celebration that takes place. Sure you did. Um, praising the saints. And none of that is true. You knew it was Romero. Don't lie. You knew well, it. Hey. Well, Sometimes you got to break a few eggs. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that applies here. But uh, <laughs> but our, our guest, uh, the film that we're talking about today is Day of the Dead. George Romero's Day of the Dead. The third in his dead at the time, for a long time, trilogy, but has grown to be many, many more films. Uh, it has been recommended to us by Calvin, who is the guest on the show today. Calvin, say hi to everybody. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm sure we're going to have a good and spirited discussion about this film. Uh, but before we talk about it, I want to tell you how you can find us on the web. You can go to our website at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. Uh, there you can find all of our episodes posted as well as a section where you can either comment on the podcast itself or recommend films that you would like to come on the show and talk about much like Calvin is doing today. You can do the same thing on our Facebook page by searching for face by searching in Facebook for in the queue, Q U E U E film conversations with Andrew and Phil. Uh, you can like our page there and we'll start to fill up your feed and, uh, yeah, it's a great way to um, to keep abreast of what it is that we're doing and uh, see all of the supplemental materials that we've posted, which is have been quite numerous in recent days. So uh, you'll yeah, get a lot of good I'm material. Getting on it. Getting on it. More to uh, come. More to come. You can also find us on Twitter at, at ITQ Podcast. That's our Twitter handle. You can engage us in conversation there. Or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, uh, Overcast, Podcaster, uh, any of those uh, aggregators that you can use and uh, we encourage you to go out there on iTunes and leave us a good review so that it'll bump us a little bit in the rankings if you like the show of course if you don't like the show then you know maybe just uh, keep it to yourself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so as I said before um, uh, this is the late George Romero's Day of the Dead first came the night then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the Creator. We visited a curse. Hello! Is anyone there? For the few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bub. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. 
Same way we were tricked into it. On promise of some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work, learning. They're actually learning. Their world fell apart. Extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, in case you're you're wondering what all that crunching was <laughs> during that trailer, uh, it was a visual gag, uh, classic '80s visual gag, where a zombie was sitting in the movie theater audience, and all of the people in the movie theater got really nervous and then left. But all the zombie wanted to do was watch Day of the Dead. Wow! Oh, it's so meta. <laughs> it was it was quite meta. Uh, as I said, uh, this, uh, was a suggestion brought to us by Calvin, uh, who, before I get the reason that you're on the podcast wanting to talk about this movie, Calvin, I'm just going to give a brief plot summary for people. Um, it's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. This is, uh, in, set in the same universe, the same world as Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, which were the two big dead films that, uh, preceded this one. And the world has been overrun by zombies, and there's a small group of people who were sent into an underground military base in Florida, uh, it appears, um, and they were sent to work on some sort of cure for zombieism, uh, zombification. And uh, so there's a group of scientists and a group of military folks who have been forced into this small space with one another, and they're uh, down to only 12 people left, and tensions are running high. Uh, the scientific work is very slow, and the military people are not happy about this, and they decide that they want to take control. Um, but the scientists are just on the verge of a breakthrough. They have started to discover that the zombies have some remnant of a memory of their life, before zombieism and uh, they can be gotten through to and if that's the case then maybe they can be controlled or have their behavior altered uh, or so the thinking goes until the military folks get a little bit overzealous um, so that's kind of a rough idea of the film a bit of a pot boiler everybody's in one small place uh, every, tensions are running high so um, I'm sure we're going to talk about some of the more salient plot points as we go through this. But before we do, Calvin, why this film? Why did you recommend this film? Why did you want to come on and talk about it? Yeah, uh, well, you know, George Romero just passed away. Yeah. So it felt Sadly. like a, a, a good reason. To, I had always enjoyed his movies like in college. Uh, sure. And sure. I've rewatched uh i think the first two more recently but day that i had not seen in many years and i remember at the time thinking it might have been my favorite and i think a lot of uh mm. horror buffs 
uh, feel that way about his movies, uh, that David Dead might be his best. Mm. Uh, so I wanted to revisit it and see if it held up. Sure, sure. And sure. Uh, did it hold up? For me, yeah, uh, <laughs> it did. Um, there's definitely some, uh, not all the acting is flawless, uh, <laughs> yeah, but no. I think there are some very scrappy performances. Sure. Um, and I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, God damn it, you just can't beat Tom Spini. Those, yeah. those effects were phenomenal. They're oh, astonishing. Yeah. Tom Savini, in case those of you out there do not know who that is, was the makeup and effects artist on this film and many others. Um, many other films in the 80s and uh, and specifically the a lot of the zombie movies um, mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Um, and and yeah, this is kind of his one of one of his magnum opuses. Oh, op, is it what's the plural of opus? Opi? I don't know. Opie, I think is it. Is it really? Opie. Opie. Um, Opie. <laughs> uh, is that an oxymoron? Can you have more than one opus? No, I guess you can't. Can you? Well, you can have a magnum opus. Isn't that different from an opus? Well, I guess it's the. Yeah. I mean, magnum you can opus have is a... kind of one thing. Yeah. It's like just a, a big fat opus. Maybe you can have a whole bunch of opuses and then only one magnum opus. Right. It's yeah. like, uh, it's this magnum opus, and then there's cum opus. And summa, summa cum opus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Latin. Well, yeah, I think, I think, uh, my excitement about watching this once you recommended it, um, was similar to the reason you recommended it in the first place. I kind of wanted to see if it held up because I remembered it being good and I remembered liking it a lot more than I had before. And actually my impression was very different from yours, uh, Calvin, in terms of what the public perception of this movie is. I always saw it as the one that people thought was the least of his films, at least until, until he started making a lot of the more recent ones, which are kind of, you know, not as good quality. Although I will stand by land of the dead until Even the day worse, I die. Is what you're saying? I think land of the dead is fantastic. And that is, um, I guess I'll have to rewatch that. I don't know. It, I mean, for me, it's so much like, cause this is what I think is interesting about, uh, Romero as a director is, uh, I think a lot of directors, um, uh, they work with uh, a director of photography or a certain set of actors or something that really uh, do them a lot of credit. Sure. And I think Romero without Savini is tough. Oh, and yeah. It's a much thinner soup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I mean, they really, I think, I think when watching this film, uh, uh, well, to, to finish my earlier point, I think, most people in my perception thought Dawn of the Dead was the greatest film he ever made, which was the second yeah. of the bunch and sort of a, uh, a bit more nihilistic than this one. It has a much unhappier ending um, at the very least. That is true. Um, and, uh, but, but for this one, um, I, I watched the hour and 40 minute version, which is seven minutes longer than the original release. That's interesting. And I do not know what version. Well, I can tell you that it lingered for a long time on every gruesome Tom Savini uh, mm. moment. I mean, it was the gore was excessive, 
and more so than one that I saw that I'm pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw I saw what I believe to have been the hour and forty minute version too. I actually watched uh, I, watched, I watched the free version on YouTube. Oh. And uh, it it had Arabic subtitles the whole time. Oh no! But I didn't let that deter me. Yeah, because what I've often seen with extended versions is that they they add footage that kind of expands the the premise or like the backstory of some of the characters. Sure. But it's not necessarily very exciting. Like, um, <laughs> while some people say that the fleshed out version of Aliens is great, um, I think that. Yeah, I know Andrew is like going off right now. This, what, what you are saying is insane to me so far. If if <laughs> if this sentence finishes the way that I think it's going to finish, then you are officially a crazy person. Well, there's no denying that. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, I thought that all of the the dialogue scenes in the first hour of Day of the Dead uh, was a bit much, and when things finally started to happen in the last forty minutes, when you actually saw some zombie killings and and it got gorier. Mm. Um, I, I would have thought that, uh, those scenes were in the original version and it was the setting up the conflict between the two different factions in the first hour that was expanded upon. Well, don't forget that this film was made in 1985 when, uh, they did not have quite as much free reign with the level of gore and the violence that they do nowadays. Um, I mean, granted, there were movies being made around this time, like Cannibal Holocaust, which were horribly violent, but that was being banned across the globe. <laughs> um, and movies like this, I mean, uh, we did a, an episode not long ago on RoboCop, right? Wow. Which the theatrical cut of that, the only things that they cut out were the extensive violence. Um, that's what got cut from that movie. They didn't really cut much mm-hmm. else. So... So you're saying you did they in fact uh, add uh, d- deleted scenes of gore into this newer version? Yeah, I think there's only seven minutes of difference. So yeah, there's probably a little bit of uh, of the people talking and stuff like that. But <laughs> towards the end, um, I'm assuming this is in the version you saw, Phil and Calvin. You can tell me if this is in your version as well. But towards the end, once the uh, once the <laughs> the zombies have triumphed, in a manner of speaking. Um, there's this extended scene of just watching them eat guts. You're just watching them eat guts, and then it pans across, and you're seeing more of them eating guts, and it just goes on forever. And it's, it's, it's really quite lurid and takes a long time, and serves no real purpose. It doesn't really <laughs> no narrative purpose. Yeah, no narrative purpose. Um, atmospheric purpose, perhaps, but is that is that what you had in yours as well, Calvin? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we we must have all seen the same one because there's definitely like I remember thinking that at one point I was just like Jesus Christ, <laughs> like uh, the the point is well made, um, but it, you, I mean it it does it's visceral it has an effect I mean it is sure. revolting. Uh, yeah, no, it's interesting um, because I have. Uh, I got like a super deluxe DVD edition of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah, uh, and yeah. that has a European cut of the film in it, which is overall shorter than the United States theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they cut out a bunch of dialogue scenes because they wouldn't translate. Right. And, uh, sure. and actually added back in more gore. And the running time is still shorter than the 
uh, and it's my favorite version. (laughs) Yeah, and you're right. I mean, this whole thing, uh, it's crazy the way it accelerates. uh, Like, it it slams into, like, I forget if first or third is more impressive, but, uh, like, yeah, the back third of the movie is, like, wham, 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 this is what you came for. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, (laughs) I think that George, George A. Romero... He's always been good from what I've seen about having kind of a progressive attitude in his films. Sure. And here in Day of the Dead as well as Night of the Living Dead, I can't comment on the middle film because I haven't seen it. <gasps> but in both of those films, I know Sacrilege. I know. But in both of these films, you've got um, a, a protagonist who's a person of color. And in particular, that was very revolutionary for Night of the Living Dead at the time. 1968? Yeah, for a popular film. Yeah. Um, and here in Day of the Dead, you've got a woman who is kind of fighting against all these men who are don't really comprehend the severity of the situation here, and uh, they want to just these these military guys who just want to blast the zombies, uh, and then she's trying to sort of facilitate between them and then the scientists and the people who are trying to educate at the zombies. Sure. So not only is Romero kind of with it by having a, a woman being the kind of the, the arbiter of, of the good guys, uh, at least for the first half. But he's, t- he's created a story where it's not about blowing away mindless zombies. It's about trying to s- educate and save mindless zombies. It's like education is the way that they're going to defeat this huge problem and not the way the military guys think, which is just by shooting it. Well, and that, yeah. yeah. What were you going to say, Kevin? Oh, no, I was just gonna say. Well, I mean, he like uh, he's he's big on um, like, admittedly somewhat ham-fisted, but but like uh, he's big on messaging. Like the allegory, uh, Dawn of the Dead was all about like consumerism and and yeah. whatnot, and and this is like militarism and uh, and 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 always. I mean, he he made about one of these a decade, yeah. uh, and they're always sort of prescient for like. Uh, like the major whatever like social ills of the time mm-hmm. uh, and i love too and, th- and this is this is changing the topic a little bit but i wanted to make sure i mentioned it before i forget sure I, because i love how far apart they are uh and not only are they representative of the decades they're made in uh but the films are uh like they they age the world that they're set in ages with the films mm-hmm. so that the first one is like the initial outbreak and the second one is 10 years later when it's like small bands of survivors and the third right. one the they're almost completely overrun and the only people left are in remote like military installations and it's alluded to in the movie that that uh like the last bastion of government has likely been overrun uh in, in washington it's like a cinematic universe yeah. <laughs> it almost that, is um, yeah, and it, uh, it was another, what, 20 years before he made Land of the Dead. Right, um, which is all about Bush. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's about the rich and the poor Listen, and, yeah, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's about, I mean, that one's almost entirely about classism. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. It also has one of the most insane performances by Dennis Hopper that I've ever seen. Uh, in a career of insane performances. <laughs> wow, that's really saying something. I better see this movie now. Yeah, no, it's great. 
It's um, truly, I mean, it's kind of the reason to watch it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and that one, it, it, blood in it. What's, yeah. what's that? There's CGI and blood in it. Yeah, I know. It's not great. It really hurt my feelings when he did that. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But the story, though, is good. It's the next logical extension. The zombies start to learn. The zombies, zombies start to organize. The zombies start to right. overthrow and they be, their they oppressors. they become part of human society. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff, as if you ask me. Yeah, and um, they find ways to exploit them for profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's the allegory is heavily laid on with a trowel, but it, uh, it works. It works. Um, well, this this being uh, a Romero film, and this being, as you say, Calvin, one of uh, Romero's. Uh, finest films, or one of the highest, most highly regarded of his movies, and especially of the the dead films. Um, what is it that uh, that you really love about Romero? What is it that you really uh, appreciate about the films that he's made that you've seen? Uh, I think what I like about his movies is they're uh, they're unflinchingly dark. Uh, like mm. it's. Um, there's no, I mean, when you when you think about all the all the things that happen in these movies on on paper, it's it's pretty horrific, and not just yeah. people being pulled apart and eaten, uh, but like, you know, just like the the way human beings treat each other in these movies, and just the like the overall concept of like the death of human civilization. It's it's heavy fucking shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, and the but there's there's this glee. Uh, in the in the movie that you can't that it, it can't shake like um, which I feel like is not uh, it, it's not in the film it like surrounds the film like you can just tell it's it they're made with uh, so much love sure uh, and they always feel you know kind of DIY um, yeah it's the it's the sense of like invention and fun uh, that I I think is kind of like uh, permeates like, uh, all of his, his... Like it has a, the movie has a smell or something it's, it's like... <laughs> yeah and yeah i haven't seen a lot of his films but he is a he was an auteur he was a true horror auteur who wrote and directed his films and you can just tell especially with day of the dead that his own philosophy of life is all over this film oh yeah and i mean f- from like his politics too like yeah. somebody watching this film might be like, might be siding with these gung ho military types in the beginning, and be like, "Yeah, this is what we need to do. We need to. We can't really. You can't save these guys. You just have to blast them all away." But then when shit starts to go down, and these this conservative group doesn't really have a plan about what to do next, and they all basically succumb to the to zombies, it's like, "Yeah, well, that's what happens when you don't really." put a lot of thought into a situation and just kind of go with your gut sometimes. Yeah. So I think, you know, his, his attitudes, it's not just about scaring you, but he really puts a lot of his own kind of beliefs about life into his films. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't know if he's really, if he's a pessimist or not, but based on night of the living dead, the original one, um, you could say that he definitely has a dark view of humanity. Well, I think Dawn of the Dead as well. Dawn of the Dead does not end positively. This is the only one of the dead films that I can even think of that really ends positively. The only one that I haven't seen that he directed was the most recent one. 
which was Survival of the Dead. Yeah, I saw Diary of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Know about this? (laughs) So there's like a billion of them now. Yeah, well, in in 2005 he made Land of the Dead, and then he made one every two years for into 2007 and then 2009. Um, And yeah, I mean they're they're not you know. Diary of the Dead was more like a found footage movie and it didn't feel it, it felt like he was trying to imitate other people who were doing something in horror at the time instead of the you know he had spent his entire career being imitated by others uh, I mean he all but launched the zombie genre as a oh yeah as a genre yeah. uh, with Night of the Living Dead um but yeah as as you say Phil his his fingerprints are all over this movie and I think that his worldview is I, I think he he clearly sides with the multicultural group of intelligent people who make rational decisions based on the information that they have at hand you know <laughs> he that that's who he has you know a real uh, affinity for in all of his films Right. Um, and he paints the other the others as monsters, right? The rich people in Land of the Dead, the uh, military in Day of the Dead, the <laughs> uh, crushing weight of consumerism in uh, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, so yeah, I think that his politics are pretty clear. Um, but one has to ask if if his movies always end pretty miserably, except for this one. Um, then, you know, does he believe that it's all futile? Does he believe? I don't know. Do you remember? I don't know if we can really answer that question, but uh, <laughs> Andrew, do you remember when we were in film school and George A. Romero came to the North Carolina School of the Arts? Mm-hmm. And he was pushing his new film, which is called Bruiser. Yeah. And this is like this is like 1999. And uh, Bruiser is not a zombie film. It's about this uh, meek. Uh, office lackey yeah who uh who continually takes shit from his uh bosses and his boss is played by peter stormare as this like really horrible arrogant jerk yeah yeah uh but but uh this guy who the actor was jason fleming who played the main character and um it's like he just he just accepts all the shit from people and then one day like he puts on this mask of this kind of like blank white face i'm if i can recall the plot correctly i think and it's like he can't get it off and he his murderous self takes over yeah and uh i remember thinking like at the time being 19 or 20 and thinking like well i'm not really a big horror fan but i love jaws and i love the shining and those movies are actually about something other than just scaring you and i could tell that bruiser was about something too it was. It wasn't just about, who you know, like oh, right, right, right. Here's something out of the dark to scare you. It was actually kind of like a social commentary, um, and I think he really did see horror as a genre through which he could comment on society, and how many other horror filmmakers even attempt that these days. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, and yeah, he. I think he treats it the way a lot of people treat science fiction, which is a yeah vehicle to. Uh, yeah, like comment on yeah whatever, society. Uh, yeah, that's really that's really interesting. But but what makes him so great is that he does that, but at the same time 
he knows why you bought your ticket. Sure, and, sure. And still gives you like buckets of blood, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I mean uh, when I when I say there's a glee in the movies. Like, uh, yeah, he 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 really gives you uh, everything that uh, that you came to see. Yeah, and it gives you that catharsis of like seeing terrible and miserable people being ripped to literally ripped to shreds. Uh, it's a very <laughs> cathartic true. experience. Um, and, and I think that he, uh, you know, it's kind of that Roger Corman school of directing, right? Uh, what is it? There has to be, uh, uh, bare breast or violence every six minutes or something. Three minutes, I don't know. three minutes. I think I, it don't, is. I don't know how, uh, with it, that philosophy is anymore these days. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a dated philosophy, but it I was movie watching. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was the. I would say, especially in in sort of um, B movie circles, it was definitely the de rigueur for a very long time, um, yeah. and that's what these kind of movies were considered for a long time. They they've grown in appreciation. I think people understand that the filmmaking behind these is uh, a lot more accomplished than they was given credit for. In the same way that John Carpenter has been recognized as a true auteur. I mean, we just did a an episode on Escape from New York very recently and that that his his entire um his entire way of making films is is incredibly distinctive you know and it's unlike almost anybody else and it's accomplished and it's interesting and it's fun and it's cool you know and john carpenter and george romero uh there is an age gap between them but they both came from a generation of people Mm -hmm. who loved some great movies that uh people don't really talk about today sure like um while we're talking about john carpenter you know one of his early films assault on precinct 13 is heavily uh, influenced by um rio bravo yeah which is a film from 1959 that quentin tarantino loves i was gonna say i was gonna say you know he talks about that i mean tarantino i think has even said at one point that like if he takes his date to see Rio Bravo and she doesn't love it, the relationship is over. <laughs> um, he's getting married now, so I guess it's all good. I guess so. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, I think uh, horror filmmakers should not just live in a world of horror, but they should consume, haha, Dawn of Dead reference, they should consume <laughs> other types of media and art other than just regurgitating other horror films. Yeah. And I think George A. Romero uh, was just... He brought more to his work. Uh, he did. He definitely loved the splatter gore effects, and Tom Savini was a major uh, ally for him, definitely as he was to other filmmakers. Um, but I think he also George Romero was really good at the setup too, not just the payoff of the gore, but also kind of getting you to that place where you've you've earned the right to watch all these people die horrible deaths rather than just it just happens arbitrarily. Sure, and and I would give him credit too for building uh, non-zombie related tension in the film. Like, how oh, yeah. is it that my only concern is not people getting bitten? It, it like <laughs> I'm worried about uh, I'm worried about sexual assaults, and I'm I'm worried about domestic violence, and I'm worried about uh, bullying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the social dynamics of that group are as distressing as the you know the zombies yeah yeah and i think that i think that you see growth over his films in that regard i mean between 
Night of the Living Dead, which is a pretty much a straight horror movie with, you know, overtones or undertones rather of uh, sort of, um, you know, the politics of race that were happening in, in the U.S. at that time. Um, Dawn of the Dead moved it to a more more of a group dynamic. You know, it wasn't so much about the one hero. It was sort of about that entire crew of people trying to survive in that shopping mall. And then this one, it's an even bigger group. It's a 12-person group, even though it really focuses on about five or six of those f- folks. Um, and and he really, like, I feel like he, he likes, he grows in the way that he plays with those personalities and how they interact with one another. And he almost grows more interested in the human side of it than the zombie side of it. I'd say that's that's certainly true because if you look at Donna the Dead, um, you've got that that core group, but there's not there's not a ton of dissension within the group. Right. I mean, right. I think the 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 white couple, uh, I think, have there's tension there. I think maybe she had an abortion or something. Yeah. Can't remember. But so there's some tension there. But for the most part, they're a real team, and like there are even scenes of them like having fun and fucking around in the mall. Yeah. Uh, Messing with and, the zombies. Right. And then, uh, then that gang of bikers shows up at the end, yeah. uh, and that and that's like it introduces the idea of human conflict within the context of the zombie apocalypse, but it's this like outside uh, sort of nameless force. Whereas in this one, everyone knows each other. Yeah, they've been together for a long time. Yeah, and there's so much uh, tension as there, of course, would be. Yeah, and you feel like they're real characters. They're real fleshed out, interesting characters who are having these disagreements and and uh and many many years before of course uh something like 28 days later which became uh you know which which in its own way was yes a zombie movie and yes the zombies started running in that movie and that was a uh thing well i mean i guess you could say it's a zombie movie it's also a plague movie anyway um (laughs) but in that movie the focus becomes the people as well you know and uh and i remember people watching 28 days later and and being like oh this is really new and different way to approach a zombie movie and i was like no it isn't (laughs) this is they've been doing this for a while as soon as the movie i i watched it with my wife and and right after the movie uh one of the first things she said was uh it's so weird thinking about 28 days later after <laughs> watching this because of the whole end with the like military versus yeah. civilian and, and, and the way women are treated and, yeah. and all that stuff. And like, yeah, all those dynamics, they're right here in 85 in this Romero movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would say that by the end of Day of the Dead, many characters are fleshed out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, there it is. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we set it up and you hit it, you spiked it (laughs) (laughs) to use a volleyball metaphor, which I loved. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think this movie does hold up. I think it's, I think it's great fun. Um, it's, it's actually more fun than I remembered it being. Um, I, it, it, it held my interest throughout and was really good. I, I, I guess I got stuck in that loop of thinking, yeah, of course, Dawn of the Dead is the best one. And it might be. I need to go back and watch that one, too. But Well, and to revisit that thought, because you, you were saying, because I do think you're right in that uh, I think critically Dawn of the Dead is regarded as his best. Uh, and then Night of the Living Dead is is so iconic and sure, uh, sure. unique. 
um, that it has its own place. And then Day of the Dead gets sort of forgotten. I think the people I knew that thought it was his best one were the sort of horror hounds. Who yeah, are, yeah. It's because the, the effects are light years uh, better every every one of these movies. Yeah, well, that's like that's like the people, you know, when you hear people talk about, like, oh, what are the great zombie movies? They'll talk about something like Zombie 2, right? The That Italian uh, horror film, uh, zombie film about the... Uh, Haitian zombies that have risen up and uh, and there's a lot of like really innovative gore in it right there's this moment when this person gets their eye pierced on like a, a piece of a, a, a window or a door frame or whatever um, and it's really gruesome and really disgusting but then that movie also has one of the most laughably bizarre things that I've ever seen in any movie which is a zombie versus shark underwater brawl which is <laughs> truly insane and is interminably long. It goes on forever, and it's just some guy in a zombie suit underwater, like fighting a shark. And it's... That sounds awesome. I've got to see this movie. <laughs> this is a real shark. It's it's a real shark, and it's really weird. It's a weird scene. It's so strange. Um, nice. But it's got to be like a nurse shark. It can't be like a lethal shark. I don't know, man. Um, man. Where, hey, how far we've fallen. <laughs> Movies used to be so good. People took risks. Yeah, no CG there. That was really a dude in a zombie suit fighting a shark. Well, speaking to that, and the, you know, there's, we're not going to be able to top that now, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do. I I think I was reading somewhere about like a lot of the gore effects in this. Um, the, in, like they brought, like they got buckets of like pig uh <laughs> organs from yeah. like uh an abattoir like that shit is that's actual uh guts because uh, i remember i think it was specifically the scene where um Rhodes gets pulled in half oh yeah and and you see like you see his legs come away and, and all his guts fall out those are real guts and the, and they're like a couple of days old uh, oh no he was saying it was all he could do not to like uh, vomit and pass out while they were filming that. Yeah, I can't imagine. I I can only imagine that the smell was terrible. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of the Gosh. polar opposite of that uh, that scene in Salo or the 120 Days of Sodom. There's a, a cropophilic uh, scene in that movie where the the kids are forced to eat poop. Wait, what? Talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, because because it's like a, a revolting scene to watch it, but uh, but the thing about it on the set was that it was actually made from like chocolate and candied caramel or something like that, so it actually smelled yeah. and tasted wonderful. But uh, but seriously, put yourself in the place of those actors, you know, doing <laughs> that scene. I personally would still be revolted to put that in my mouth, even sure. if it tasted sweet. Sure, I would still sure. be thinking that I'm eating shit. Uh, the fascists are, have ruined my life and my family's life. Yeah. Uh, it would so, not be enjoyable. Uh, your method, bro. You, you'd have been great at it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, I guess it would be better than eating something that was, like, salty. Because uh, it was, you know, the sugar made it more enjoyable. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. It's like black licorice or something. I'm yeah. taking this to a very strange place. But, uh, you know, I think that... This all this kind of touches on something that I think is very sad, and I hope this new generation of filmmakers will bring back is 
practical effects. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like when, when Cronenberg made Videodrome, yeah. at the end of that film, when the TV explodes and all these guts fly out of the TV, those were actual guts. Um, and you just, it, they were, it was so real. And it was probably a hell of a lot cheaper than doing it CGI as well. So those are yeah. two good reasons why they should bring that back. Well, this is that that was what I was going to say is, you know, because they talked about Land of the Dead, they, a lot of the blood effects were done, I think, with with CGI because yeah. it was supposed to be cheaper. Um, but like these movies were made for fucking nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And they look great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and also, who the fuck cares if you're watching a zombie movie and the blood is not like pristine quality? You know, it's like, oh, that blood looks so fake. It's got to look real. It's got got to CGI that shit or else I won't enjoy myself. Well, I mean, I think pretty famously in Dawn of the Dead, all of the blood is this weird shade of orange. Like it's a very very strange palette of of blood in that movie. Um, But but you don't care. I mean, like you buy it, you're watching the film. It's not as as revolting as this movie, but. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's consistent, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know that's what zombie blood looks like, I guess. But that's the thing is like it is uh, conceptually, it's it's and and the way it's put together, it's probably is is better movie. But um, it's uh, it's cartoonish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where this movie is uh, brutal. Yeah, it's a lot more tongue in cheek. This movie gets back to a little bit of the seriousness of Night of the Living Dead, and um, it does have its tongue in cheek moments. And it certainly is not. Uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it, but the world for the characters in the world is very serious. Whereas I feel like in Dawn of the Dead, it only gets serious. It's like serious at the beginning, and then it's really serious at the end, and then in between, it's kind of less so. Which, which I think is like, again, a, a product of these movies being made like ten years apart. Yeah, yeah. Where, but like, like horror and action movies in the eighties were fucking bleak as hell yeah i actually remember seeing the end of dawn of the dead when i was probably i don't know 12 or 13 i was in france with my family or italy it might have been italy i was in right. italy with my family I remember what gorgeous european country I was in. <laughs> that's right um no we were we were we were vacationing in italy and uh i was i was watching like late night television and they just like they don't censor it in the same way that we do here and i remember dawn of the dead being on and i didn't know what it was for years but i just remember that moment at the end of the film when the hatch opens up and the zombie reaches out and then it freeze frames and you're like oh everybody's gonna die right um, and I remember that image so distinctly and I remembered it for years, probably, it was probably 15 years before I knew what that was. And then when I actually so, saw it, I was like, Oh, you just shit your pants, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it smelled like chocolate and caramel. <laughs> oh, bringing it all back. Home. Hey, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, now I better see Dawn of the Dead so I can see what all the fuss is about. It's pretty good. It's you pretty, know, yeah. in, in context. Yeah, sure, but it sounds do, it sounds feel like you like uh, Romero. You like this movie at least to some extent. Yeah, I thought Day of the Dead was pretty good, and, and um, I like Night of the Living Dead a lot. Um, so admire it for 
from a film buff's perspective about how it was a groundbreaking movie. Sure. Um, but I remember watching it on PBS of all places when I was younger, because uh, I lived outside of Washington D.C. and the WETA was this awesome PBS affiliate, and uh, I saw 2001 when I was a kid. I saw oh, wow. Monty Python's Holy Grail on PBS. Yeah. Um, they had a really good deal going on, and they showed Night of the Living Dead, and uh, it was it. It made, especially the opening scene, They're made a big impression. To get you, Barbara. Yeah, the way that they mingled comedy and terror in yeah. that opening, I thought was very impactful for me at the time. Sure. And Day of the Dead, as as we mentioned already, uh, there's not a lot of comic relief in Day of the Dead, uh, but I think it's fine because he wasn't repeating himself. You know, yeah. each one of these. Zombie films seem to have a different angle of some kind, and he seemed to be kind of pushing forward, and and that's I think that's a good sign of somebody being like a real artist. Yeah, because in, in, when you yeah. think about it too, like the the moments of humor in the movie or like within the world of the movie, uh, it's mostly the, the soldiers, and it's uh, it, it's uh, grotesque. Yeah, like. Or the the jokes are uh it's not even gallows humor it's like um disconcerting it's it's and it's almost like um it's almost like like seeing it in that in that light it's almost like how could you ever laugh at this right right mm -hmm. but i think also he in a way he uh a lot of that humor that i experienced in the, watching the film uh, we experience it through the eyes of the female lead, and yeah. she is like always perpetually disgusted with these guys, and uh, that that kind of it works that way because either you think they're funny, and you laugh along with them, or you laugh at them, you know, in spite of yourself, or you think they're just as revolting as she thinks they are, and uh, yeah. it kind of here we are thirty years later, and uh, those scenes still play i think in large portion yeah. in large portion because we're seeing him through her eyes yeah my uh my partner nick may walked in about two-thirds of the way through the movie and it was in a scene where the soldiers were being particularly abusive to everybody else and immediately nick may said what is this white supremacist bullshit <laughs> <laughs> crazy because he they really hit you over the head with it and like they keep using the same like weird racial epithets yeah. and, and uh and they're almost funny by just by repetition and intensity but yeah. there is like um even as the the language doesn't age uh that well the the intent is still so clear and those those moments are actually super tense yeah agreed agreed yeah and um, you really do fucking hate those guys by the end of it. Oh, completely, completely. Although, I have to say, and I, I, I want to, if you guys agree, uh, the for me, easily the most vile character was uh, the the boyfriend, uh, the Miguel. Uh, yeah, yeah. He is the worst. I don't know if he's the worst. I think I pity him the most because I think he genuinely snaps at the beginning of the film. I think he he can't take it anymore, and he just wants it all to be over, and for him and for everybody else. <laughs> well, yeah, 
Calvin, do you say that because of his, like his actions, not necessarily his heart and soul, but 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 what he does? Uh, I w- yeah, I would say a, a, a little of both, really. I mean, I can, and I can appreciate that the guy is like he does. Yeah, I mean, he like basically uh, had well. I, I guess it's not PTSD because it's not post anything. It's he's in it. Yeah. But yeah, he has like a a, a break. But mm-hmm. I mean, he uh, he smacks uh, the lady around. Uh, he hits her twice. Like he hits her, and then there's like a, a beat where he should be like, "Oh my god, what did I just do?" And then he goes, "Nope," and hits her, <laughs> and yes. then weeps like I'm supposed to feel sorry for him. Uh, he. He tells her she's full of shit, like just compl- attacks her character. Uh, but and he's also he responsible for the deus ex machina. But this is the thing, right? Because <laughs> the, I brought my wife up already. It would, after the movie, she was like, well, at least he like let the zombies in to help save her. It's like, no, 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 no. That was not his intention. That was an unintentional consequence. He was trying to kill everyone. Yeah. It's shit. Yeah, I mean, after everything she did to save his life, she, yeah, I, I mean, she, there was a Mexican standoff over his worthless ass, and then he tries to get them all eaten. Yeah. Now, to be fair, he was unconscious for that whole Mexican standoff, and when he woke up, he was alone, minus an arm, in in an RV. So, I, I think he was aware of. Uh, the the pilot. I think he waited for the pilot to leave. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fair reading of it. And he's and he's so, oh god, so self pitying. Oh, woe is you. The thing I didn't like about him from the get go is I thought he was weak. I thought he came across immediately as a weak person, and I thought she could do better than him. I thought he didn't deserve her, and she was so much stronger than he was in every single way. And I thought this. I was like, God, this guy is giving us a bad name. Like he's, he's. I mean, Andrew, you say that he snapped, and he did snap, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel too kind to him. That's, basically, um, just because of what he did uh, at the beginning of the film and at the end. And I kind of felt like I was like, Well, she ha- she's she's trying to fucking save the world here, and all she's getting are all these dudes who are standing in her way, and her own partner isn't even helping. Yeah, I agree with that because I think he was a piece of shit before he broke. And the way his break manifests is just an exaggeration of, of his bullshit uh, personality. Well, because you could argue Rhodes snaps. Sure. And certainly the, the main scientist uh, dude snaps, Dr. Frankenstein. Like those people all snap and, and, and they do horrible things. But at least they've convinced themselves that it's in the name of the greater good. They think they're helping. This well, guy I think he thinks he's up. helping too. I, when he lets in the zombies, I think he thinks he's helping everybody oh, by okay, sure. putting them out of their it. misery. Uh, but at the very least, gentlemen, can we agree that without Miguel, we would not have the opening to that great Gorillaz song off of their first album, which just plays the the beginning of this film when he's going, "Hello, is anybody out there?" Well, Andrew, I don't really, I don't really see that as a matter of opinion, uh, because, of course, we wouldn't have that song opening without <laughs> his character from the film. There's no, there's no agreeing or disagreeing about it. 
It's, it's true. a non-point. That's that's why I made it. A cogent argument, Andrew, and I'm <laughs> I'm completely in your camp. <laughs> great, great. Um, so in it to, to wrap up, uh, I think that uh, Day of the Dead holds up. I think it is a great zombie movie. I think that Romero really was the master of this genre. Even some of the better recent zombie films um, ha- haven't really necessarily measured up in terms of not only intensity, but also in terms of the social commentary and such, because God knows other filmmakers have tried to do the same thing. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, and I think that it really holds up and better than I thought that it would going into this. So, uh, I recommend it. Uh, how do you feel about uh, it, Phil? Yeah, I, I saw it for the first time for this show. I liked it as well. I think if you're a zombie fan, you have to see it. It's a must watch. Um, yeah. If you're a fan of The Walking Dead, for example, this is a must-watch. And, uh, yeah, it, the special effects are still tons of fun. and uh, They're practical, and they're captivating. And, yeah, I think that's still a good choice uh, if you want to honor the memory of the late George A. Romero. Yeah. Calvin, you've got the last word. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I think... Uh, Dude, I mean, he basically created the genre, and then he stayed in front of it for at least at least three decades. Um, yeah. And yet, this movie for sure holds up. I I enjoyed it. I I was tense. I was grossed out. I laughed. <laughs> uh, I pretty much got every everything I was looking for, and and I was uh, honestly surprised. I went in very uh, like optimistic, but um, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how well it held up just overall as a film. And I and I want to say we didn't we didn't get to talk about it, but to my mind, Bub is is perhaps the most sympathetic oh. character uh, in any <laughs> horror movie I've ever seen. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, also, the him. performance of Bub in this film is amazing. It's the best acting done in the film. It really sure. is. I think I mean, it's the best acting ever done by a zombie in a film. <laughs> yeah, Sherman yeah. Howard is the name of the actor who did that. Um, yeah, and he's he's fantastic in this movie, and really does an amazing. All of his scenes are just riveting. They're just riveting to watch. Um, I wanted to know what happens to Bub. I know, right? Um, but Land married. of the Dead was twenty years later, and I guess Bub was too old because zombies don't age, uh, <laughs> or do they? I don't know. It's a good question. Anyway, uh, that'll have to wait for another podcast. Uh, thank you uh, to all our listeners for joining us for this uh, podcast about uh, Day of the Dead, George Romero's uh, Day of the Dead. Uh, thank you to Calvin for recommending it and for coming on the show to talk to us about it. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'd love to have you back on again at some point. Mm-hmm. So give us another suggestion and we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. Uh, next time a director dies, I'll hit you up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, pick. Hey, do pick a Zack Snyder movie next time. Yeah, oh God! That. Ooh, wishing bad things upon him. Uh, um, but if that happens, we will do Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good call. Good call. Um, which is actually my favorite of Zack Snyder's movies, believe it or not. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, it's the best thing he's done. Um, yeah. And it was somebody else's idea. I think that speaks volumes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I hope you will all join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the new Christopher Nolan film, Dunkirk. 
big summer blockbuster tentpole movie. Uh, it should be very, very interesting. Um, I'm going to try to go see it in IMAX if I can. And uh, we should have a good conversation about that, and we hope you'll join us then. Thank you.